The next morning, the five of you wake up and you find yourselves downstairs gathering around the table. It looks like there is a complimentary breakfast for those that stayed the night and you're being fed some fresh breakfast, not Brenner. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Give a big stretch. Oh, I feel so rested. That was the best bed I think I've ever slept on. All I'm doing is glaring at Kath. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Thanks for getting us a room, bud. It was probably the nicest place we've stayed in a while. Definitely. It was wonderful. Thank you. Yes, indeed. And also, uh, in the morning I did, seeing that Finch sort of cleaned himself up the night before. I'll use the remaining water to, like, clean myself up. Okay. So, yeah, y'all have cleaned your clothes and yourselves a little bit. Not, like, full-on baths, but you you got yourself, you know, not as stinky and rain-dewy and moldy. And you also got the dry blood off your clothes, blah, blah, blah. Do you know that this man set us up in the honeymoon suite? Must have been pretty nice up there. It was real nice. They had a tub that had two circles in it so two people could sit in it. Oh, we only had one tub, but we made do. And a giant bed. But Doris slept in the floor in his little lemon hut. Well, I, I guess better to be safe than sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a great tactic for avoiding kidnapping. That's real smart, I didn't even Dora. think about that. The honeymoon suite. Bet you felt like a rock star. What's a honeymoon? When two people love each other very much... They, they they get married. You've heard of that, right? Oh, yeah, I know what marriage is. And then they, they get married and they pop out kids. But after they get married, there's a thing called the honeymoon where they go to try to pop out the first kid. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a room for that, specifically for that, that we were not supposed to be in. Oh, did y'all pop out a kid? I don't know why I start these conversations. I'll just kind of like look at him and then look down at myself and just pat my belly. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'll say, I'll say, no, I I don't think it works like that. Oh, okay. Geth and Kurgle have never had the birds and bees talk. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to hit that Kurgle has not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I thought about that when when I was saying like, oh, you could walk out one day and find some. I was like, who is Kurgle fucking? (laughs) Who has she ever win? Like, why, how, why would I think that's a good idea? All right, guys, what are, what are we doing this morning? Are we headed straight out of town? Are we going to see uh, Mayan? Yeah, I wanted to stop by the, the temple and, you know, see if he had any information that might help us. Then I guess, yeah, we can head out. Places that don't currently have festivals going on kind of make me itchy. So we can get out of here. I, I would like, before we, or as we're making our way out, for Kurgle to uh, show us to the... Uh, the, the bullet maker for, for the flintlocks, the uh, the shots. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's back over in the, the Wizard's Rainbow area. One of the alchemists over there. I mean, they gave me a lot, though. Like, I have two jugs of it now. And whenever she says jug, she, like, shows two, like, uh, basically, like, leather water skins of just gunpowder. I mean, I guess you could just have one of these if you want. Are you sure? Yeah, I mean, this is a lot of gunpowder. How many shots would you say that makes me? Uh, if you were to keep it, then you would just not have problems with shots anymore. Okay. Well, yeah, no, if she don't care, then yeah, I'll take it. Thank you very much, Gurgle. That's going to save us time and money. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I'll show you how to make bullets out of rocks. Really? Out of rocks? Cool. Yeah, yeah I mean, it takes a lot of work, but I mean, you can do it. You basically find little rocks that can fit inside the barrel, like almost fit inside the barrel, and then you grind them against another stone until they make them smooth and round. Well, I mean, I've made, you know, 20 of them so far. All right. Well, we'll have plenty of time 
as we're traveling to Somar, and uh, I, would, I would love to learn. Okay. Oh, is that really where we're going, at Somar? I think so. Yeah, sounds like it. That's the plan so far. So we're going to talk to Mayan Rel again. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a nice guy, too. I liked him. Mm. I saw that little eyebrow raise yeah. up there. <laughs> I liked him. <laughs> So you're already in the Gold District for the Golden Goose. The Ever Sanctum is in the Gold District as well. So you head on over to the Ever Sanctum. And for the three of you, in case uh, you don't remember the conversation or the description, there is a courtyard alley that kind of leads towards the temple. And on the left and right sides are statues of the guardians. For the two of you, you remember that there was an iron gargoyle at the end that you fought and was laying down. Looks like that has been cleaned up. There is no iron gargoyle there anymore. And you walk inside, and it's actually worship. There are people here. Perfect. And there's, like, a church gathering going on, and there's currently, like, hymns being sung. And you actually see Mayan Rel at the front, involved at the altar, as he is one of the priests for the temple. This is awkward. <laughs> oh, I'll just kind of, like, whisper, like, sorry, guys, didn't I didn't realize it was... What day of the week does worship happen? <laughs> you can assume or that it is happens. Or is it just called worship? I mean, I would say that in Asus world, that it's not a specific day of worship. There's just probably morning worship. Yeah, it's probably like every day. Is it called worship? Worship? Well, sure. Well, I mean, as I've already said it, so we'll might as well go with it. it in this situation, it's morning worship. Okay. So, sorry, guys. I didn't realize there was morning worship. Um, let's just have a seat and... Maybe we can talk to him afterwards. <laughs> and I'll just, like, take a seat in the back. Wait, are, are you serious? <laughs> You're making me sit through a, a service? I mean, <laughs> you don't have to. It's fine. It'll diversify my whatever. I'll have a seat. And I will respectfully try to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, as you all sit in probably the back pew uh, against the wall, you're trying to hide in the back as much as possible. Oh, that never works at church. Dude, the doors <laughs> of the church are open. All visit and everyone turns and looks at you. No, that never works at church. Eventually, this song ends and Mayan Rail does step to the front of the altar and begins to start a sermon of some sorts. And it's a tale, we'll say, of Adamo creating dual wood itself. That dual wood in Televastral was actually spawned and created by Adamo. We'll say that there is probably some like life lessons involved in it since dual wood has been corrupted by the Fae, that everything that you make is maybe not always good, and that you should reevaluate your creations and determine if there are things that needs to be destroyed, balanced, if you will. And that ends the sermon eventually. We'll say it probably takes about 20 to 30 minutes to get through that story, and the people begin to uh, file out as a choir towards the front right sings them out and so you're all standing near the exit as all this flood of people are leaving and they're just kind of looking at you weird like thinking like oh you're trying to leave too and you're like no we'll wait uh while this sermon is happening oh i guess by the way too i didn't mention this earlier but i i did eat breakfast i'd look much more rested oh that's a good thing to know i meant to today. ask about breakfast i was actually waiting for a moment to still ask. and also during the sermon i pull out uh some parchment 
and an inkwell and quill and take some notes. <laughs> sort of docu- document the story a little All bit. Alright, so yeah, you document this now improv story of mine of yes. uh, Adamo creating dual wood. So it is written. <laughs> Good to see Bellamy acting normal again. <laughs> and so uh, eventually everyone has left and you do see Mayan Rail talking to some other priests towards the front and they're, you know, exchanging pleasantries, talking about the day's duties or whatever, and you find an opening, I guess? I'll approach. Ah, Astra, nice to see you again. Seems like you had a day of rest, I see. Yes, I have. Um, I, I had some questions, if, if you have some time. I might be able to answer. Well, um, first of all, these are my the rest of my companions. Hi. This is Mayan Rel. Finch, and I'll do my thing. Felomir, and bow. That's Doroth. <laughs> Hello. Kurgle winks. <laughs> nice to see you again, Mayan. <laughs> I was using one of my new abilities yesterday, and I, I had a question. Um, wasn't very clear. I tried to reach out to a guardian, and everything just went kind of gray. Do you know anything about that? What spell were you trying to use? Just a divination spell. Like trying to speak to the guardians? Yes. And you did not hear a voice back? No, I, I mean, I heard my own voice and it got kind of kind of weird, sounded kind of strange and stretched for a while, but... um, Like something around you, something was controlling everything all around you. Perhaps. I believe I have explained this to you, Astra, but it sounds like the amalgam reached out to you. The omnipresent amalgam. Right. Do you know anything about the orbs? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the four orbs? That, those are the ones. I know the, the stories, yes. Well, do you, do you know anything recent? Recent? Um, no, I do not. All I know is that they are still in hiding. That they've been hidden by the Remora all across the land. Okay, um, do you know anything about Kristoff? The Guardian of Law? That's the one. Yes, I know quite a lot about all the Guardians. At least to what we know, anyways. Where did where does Kristoff have have a big presence? Anywhere specifically? I, I don't know what you mean by presence. The guardians are alive and live amongst us, protecting the world. If you're asking about a presence of worshippers towards Kristoff, Port Haven uh, is a prime example of uh, dedicated worship towards a specific guardian, like Rodana. Rodana, as a nation, often will focus on Exdol. I'm gonna chime in and say, is there any relation to Kristoff and uh, the Universal Library? Are you familiar with that? Uh, the Universal Library. Yes, um, it's where uh, an archive of all the books of Aces are kept. Correct. Yes, uh, some think that Kristoff uh, is connected to that in some way, as he is the guardian of law. So in order to keep that law, there must be code and text that handle those specific laws. So a place that houses all of the books of Asus would house also the codes and laws of Asus. So he could be connected to that in some way, yes, I guess. But that is the extent of this connection as far as you're aware. I wouldn't really connect him any other way. Okay. Does, uh, does Somar, do they, uh, do they worship a, a particular guardian? A lot like Shandolin, they don't really have a focus on a single one. They'll uh, worship all the guardians except for Vorin, of course. No one really wants to see evil come into balance of aces. I'll just kind of nod. 
Is the Book of Vorin something like that people know about? Like, in terms of Vorin being imprisoned, yes. Um, whether it's real, seems more like a legend to most. Yeah, that's like part of like the like the Asus lore, like the commonly known religion is that Zor- Vorin got sealed in a book. Okay. Well, then I'll chime in. Like, do you think that there could actually be a Book of Vorin there? That's one reason that um, people might connect Christoph to Universal Library. Because if there is a Book of Vorin, and that he actually was imprisoned in a book, with Christoph being the guardian of law, and in terms policing Asus, he would in turn probably be the guard of Vorin's prison. Interesting. Um, I'm, I'm also still uh, taking notes. I'll just kind of look to Felomir, like, does that seem good? I think we have a destination, yes. Oh, so you're leaving Shen? Um, yes, that's one of the reasons I wanted to come talk to you as well. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> so you're leaving. He rolls his eyes. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Just get your powers and leave. <laughs> we'll, we'll be back. Well, it, it seems uh, we might have some business elsewhere. Um, I'm not sure how long, but, um, you know, it seems that the issue with Quar is handled and hopefully you won't have any hostile statues or gargoyles in the meantime. Is there anything I can help you with in the meantime? Well, Astra, I, things happen all the time in a city with two million people in it. Nothing is currently on the list of things that you might need to help with, but if you feel that you need to continue your journey, your adventure, then that is your decision to make as the fated. I'm certainly not abandoning Chandelin in any way. Is there a way to to reach you or for you to reach me if if you need me? If Chandelin needs me? I could reach out to you, yes, if I needed to. But it seems like if you're heading to Somar, I think you would probably be delayed in resolving any conflict here. But if anything comes up, I'm sure the Sentinels can handle it. This passive-aggressive motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just have a fucking pit in my stomach. <laughs> Something's gonna fucking happen as soon as we leave. And Astra's just going to be wrecked again, like she always is. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say, um, well, I, I think our, our journey to Somar is in Chandelin's best interest in the long run. And sort of like glancing between Mine Rail and Astra. I'll kind of like hang my head up. I think it will serve the amalgam. That's that's a good answer. Good luck to you, Astra. Thank you, mine. I hope to see you very soon. I hope to see you as well. Shendlin will need you again one day, I'm sure. And I hope you're here when it happens. No, not. It's, it's nice to meet you, mine. I'm, I'm sorry about your ceiling. Oh, it's okay. We I had one of the acolytes handle it. Had to get it all cleaned up for worship this morning. They, they did a pretty good job. I think I, so, too. Okay, so should we be on the way? Got a three-week journey ahead of us. I'll turn back to mine. Thank you for your help. And I'll turn to my companions. Y'all ready? Indeed. Set out. Let's do it. So to pedestrian for equestrian? Is that where you're going? Sure. (laughs) You know it. All right. The five of you step out of the Ever Sanctum after speaking with Mayan Rail. The weather is nice. The city is cheery and it's early in the morning as you came directly here to start your day when you left the Golden Goose. As you head across the city back to the gate where you first arrived, 
Is there any additional shopping that anyone would like to do to prep for the journey to Somar? This will again be a video game style shopping experience unless there is something very unique you would like to shop for. But if it's just the basic goods or clothing changes, we can just skip the shopkeeper's talk and just go straight into buying. I guess we're in Shandalin, which is a pretty epic place. Do they maybe have a sweet longbow I could procure? So you're talking about a pretty unique weapon if you're wanting like a magic. I think it's something sweet, yeah. Okay. I've got I've got money and I just never spend it. And it's How much money do you have? Specifically four diamonds. That's where most of my... my uh, Did I give you a quality or a nah, price on those diamonds? No, you just told me they were worth a lot. That's just kind of how I've been treating it. I guess we can roll for quality of diamond first to see what you're working with. Sure, let's do that. Let's roll a D100 four times since you said you had four of them. Yeah. It's a 93. Oh, all right. So that one is going to be worth 475 gold pieces. Let's do this again. 50. All right. That one is going to be worth 220. 22. 22. That one's going to be worth 50. Some shit, diamond. 18. This got worse and worse. That one's also going to be worth 50. Well, at least they don't get any worse than 50. <laughs> I'm also willing to uh, try and trade up a little bit with the crossbow. And, and maybe even the longbow. I mean, I never really use it as much. I would rather have a longbow that's as good or better than it and just only have the one thing. All right. I'm going to say that in order for you to probably get something pretty decent, you're going to have to barter. So we're going to have to go to a shopkeep. <laughs> hey. So that's going to be a not basic good situation. So we will come back to that shortly. All right. Just for you listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on to Felomir. Uh Yeah, I would like to see about purchasing some arcane writing supplies. Okay. Because there are some more spells from the, the wizard spell anthology that I've procured that I would like to copy into my tome. Okay. And I need inks okay. and things like that to copy it into the book. So I would like to purchase those. Okay. Do you know what the normal price is usually? In the, the book, it is 50 gold worth of materials per spell level. And I have one fifth level spell that I want to uh, write down. So that would be 250 gold worth of materials. So I'll do it this way. We'll throw a little chance into it. So you can roll a d20. And if it's one to five, it's going to be, it's going to cost a little more. If it's six to... 15, it's going to cost the price. And if it's 16 to 20, it will cost significantly less. I like those odds. All right. So roll me a D20. I liked those odds. Uh, that's a five. Oh, one to five is going to cost more. Not knowing the exact price, Felomir, uh, you go to a random shop in the trade district hoping for a pretty sweet deal. And what you realize, well, what you don't realize is that you're buying it for 10% more, so 275. I'll take it. <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to do, Felomir? Chop wise? Wait, what is Felomir's attire right now? I can't remember. Is it still Laurent outfit? Mm -hmm. Okay. I was gonna keep it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in I'm in a, a, a cat state of mind right now, so okay. I'm I'm gonna be a little disheveled. Uh, okay. I may if I can maybe if I can find someone to like press to digitize my clothes and clean them up a little bit, I'll do that, but I'm not going to buy new ones. Don't, don't one of y'all know press the digitization? I can do that. <laughs> hey, and I can mend any, uh, any I'm not phrase to go that, that you have in your clothes. <laughs> you know, I need to be disheveled, but not like 
dirty. You know? Okay, so so grunge, but not gutter punk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lou L. Grunge. <laughs> yeah, island uh, crust, island punk yeah, cheek. No, never, never a crusty punk. All right, so Astra cleans you up some. You got your magical ink. So we're going to go ahead and go on with an improv of a shot. You're walking out of the canal district into the outer northwestern gate where you all actually entered, and there was a market outside of that gate, and this is towards the pedestrian to equestrian area. And we'll say that there is a shop that catches your eye, Finch, and you think, maybe I should look into maybe buying a new bow, checking, upgrading my weapon. And the shop is called... Shoots and arrows. It's <laughs> pretty good. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad name. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with it. Shoots and arrows. And you walk inside, and I don't know if anyone else is joining him in this shop or if y'all are hanging out outside. I'll go in. Okay. My rider. Yeah, die. sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Go in. Okay. Can't let you get ripped <laughs> off like I did. All right. So everyone's going in, and don't forget Kirk was with you, so she's right behind. You walk inside to see a gnomish fellow. He is. Dark skin with kind of like a white gray hair. He looks a little old. And he is currently fletching? Is that putting a string on a bow? I thought fletching was making arrows. Yes, the, That's the, the, the fletch is the arrow, the feathers. Right? Yeah, it is. All right, well, he's fletching some arrows. <laughs> uh, and they look like they're special arrows. Like they have these green feathers with like a silver back end and then like a, a dark iron shaft to a green emerald-like metal for arrowheads. And that does kind of spark a uniqueness to them for you. I'll just kind of walk up to the counter, I guess, seeing what he's doing, and that's quite an arrow you have there. I've never seen one like that. Oh, oi, oh, hi, ah, uh, yes, these arrows are special. Uh, made from the iron of Somar, and got some silver back here from uh, the Drelden mines. And uh, the green arrow feathers, yes, everything's quite unique about it. Are you interested? And he, like, holds one towards you. While I am interested, I, I don't think that that's exactly what I'm here for. And then I'll, I'll take out my longbow and lay it on the counter or whatever. Like, see, I, I've had this one for quite some time. And, well, I guess as they say, when in Chandelin. He picks it up and starts to, like, pull on the string back. And it's a longbow, so he's a gnome. So this is really difficult for him, like, to hold it because it's probably double his height. And so he, but he seems to handle it well, despite his small stature. And he says, ah, yeah, you got some nicks and breaks all throughout the wood here. And he probably could shoot maybe four more arrows and it's going to snap in half. Well, then I guess it's glad I got here when I did. Ah, so this is a piece of junk. Um, <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, come on. I can offer you uh, half gold for it. I, well, come on. It's worth more than half a gold. I give you a persuasion check. <laughs> This man is a great salesman. I'll say, like, um, right. well, uh, yeah, I mean, those nicks don't look that bad <laughs> to give you advantage. Shit. Does that? Yeah, I'd give it to Thank you. Thank God. Why not? I, I could mend those real quick. <laughs> uh, 14. He says, I, I'm sorry. I, it's just not, it's still it's just a common bow and I got to sell upwards, you know? Well, I have other things. Let me let me see what you have. You have other things. Well, I'll t I'll take the crossbow out. And, <laughs> and like, and I've also got money. I like I'm I want to see what kind of longbows you have that are going to be better than the ah, things that gotcha, I have. Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, that that's a nice looking crossbow right there. Why'd you get rid of something like that? Well, I just find that I'm a little quicker and agile with my longbow than I am trying to notch a crossbow all the time. Ah, okay. So you're trying to get rid of this thing then? 
if the price is right. He picks it up and it's a heavy crossbow, so it actually doesn't fit in his arms very well either. Kind of leans back and forth with it and looks down the sights of it. Ah, I did. 120 for it. 120. 120 gold pieces, that's right. Oh, come on. It's worth way, well more than that. We both know it. <laughs> I kind of, I, I don't know if I can help you with this. One. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a fair deal to me. Wait, is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Grit miss. Told you. Uh, he says, nah, I got an eye for this kind of thing. I make these kind of things. Uh, this is worth 120. I'll probably sell it for 150, so I'll only make 30 gold profit. I will look to Finch and say, well, you do have uh, some nifty ammunition with that crossbow as well, don't you? Nifty ammunition. Now, that's something that can sell pretty easily. Don't you have, like, silver bolts, right? Which is why I support it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, as you will see, um, there's quite some fancy bolts that go with this guy. And I guess I'll pull the 18 silver ah. bolts I still have. Silver bolts, yes. Monster hunters all over the city take to these nicely. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. I'll give you two gold each for these. Can I see what kind of longbows you have? I mean, of course. I'll show you. I'm just trying to see what you can buy. All right, well, I'll pull out my four diamonds and put them on the counter Ooh, now, too. All right, all right. Let's see. He starts to, like, look at the diamonds in his fingers, and he picks them up and, like, looks at them with, a like, a microscope-type thing. He says, oh, all right. Yes, these are nice. Well, some of them are nice. Two of them look real bad, but I'll still pay you for them. All right, so you're looking at maybe... I said 120 for the crossbow and a half gold for, the, for that piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and then let's see, we got about 850 gold of diamonds here. So what can you show me? All right. Well, <laughs> do you have things worth more than that? Oh, yes. I have things worth five digits of gold. Well, I have about 956 other gold pieces. So l let's see what you got. So you're looking at about 1,500. All right, let's, see. let's take a look. So he uh, goes to like a wooden enclosed cabinet and he opens it up and then just lined on racks in the cabinet are probably like 15 or 20 like really nice looking bows, like long bows. And he pulls one and it's got like a wooden etching that's filled with silver dust. So it's like a, a pretty dark brown wood with silver encrusted design of feathers and vines, just kind of natural looking things. He walks over to you and says, yeah, pull on this. And whenever you uh, go for the bow and then you reach for the string, the string itself has like a spiral silver going down a black thread. And he says, yes, when you release on this one, the, uh, the arrow will shoot at double the speed for about half its distance. That's pretty cool. And uh, it, it basically allows for you to shoot straight without an arc. And with that, you'll see some better accuracy, I think. Ooh, I like the sound of that. Uh, let's see. Let me... He walks across the room and opens up a set of shutters that open up to, like, a target. And he says, all right, stand on the other side. And you're about 30 feet away from it whenever you can see it's, like, a 30-foot range. Um, he says, all right, take this. And he hands you just a basic arrow. Mm-hmm. Take a shot. I rolled a 13. All right. Uh, so you release the arrow, and it goes straight, and it hits the target. Not a bullseye or anything. But when it reaches the 15-foot mark, it shot fine, like normal, for the first 15 feet. And then it just, like, speeds up real fast, and you feel like a wind burst come back at you. And you, you can actually feel your hair go back as the arrow just triggered some sort of, like, boost, I guess you could say. Ooh. I say. Interesting. So you say it 
goes double its speed for half the distance, but it took half the distance for it to pick up that speed. Ah, it'll go that fast for uh, roughly 60 feet. All right. Is there anything else I should look at? If that doesn't pique your interest, I can maybe pull something else. Let me, let me, let me see what else you got. Maybe one more. All right. So he goes over to that uh, cabinet that has a bunch of them in there. And he starts kind of going through them. And you can see he's kind of questioning the price in his head to see what you can actually afford. And he pulls one and says, all right, now this one's not so flashy, but it I promise it does the job. One, it's unbreakable. So you know what dark iron is. For the listeners, though, just in case you don't know, dark iron is the heaviest metal in the world of aces. It's mostly black, but it has like a very purple shine to it. And like a single four-inch rod of dark iron weighs roughly 100 pounds. So it's very heavy. It's like a condensed heavy ore metal forged. And you see along the edge of it, on the outer band where you where it would bend, you see just this very thin line of black, purple shine, dark iron on this white wood. And he says, all right, so it's one, it's unbreakable. Two, it's just a really good bow. You take it, go over to the target range and take a shot. No need to roll because nothing really fancy happens. Mm -hmm. But you can tell that you are more accurate, but also... It took a lot more strength to bend back, which means it sprung back much faster. Mm -hmm. I think in, say, 3.5 turns, we would call this like a mighty bow. So it's heavier? Like, it's a, it's, you said it was a white wood with just like a, a, a small dark iron like thing going through it? Yeah, like a small thread of dark iron. So what kind of stats am I looking at on these two guys? The mighty bow would increase your strength threefold. So this would mean that the damage itself would be plus three. The accuracy side of the Mighty Bow would be a plus two. So you would have a plus two to your attack bonus and plus three to damage. And that's on top of your already dexterity bonus and damage of the bow. It's also a magical bow, so it would bypass resistances, which is something you're the only person that cannot do right now. Yeah, especially if you get rid of them silver bolts. Well, you know what? Now, I think really that probably answers it for me. I well, think. Yeah. the Whirlwind Bow is also a magical bow. Okay. I call it a Whirlwind Bow. This one is more accurate than it does more damage. So this would be a plus four to your attack bonus and plus two to damage. But the plus two to damage is it's more than 15 feet and less than 90 feet. You would have to keep or up less with than it. 75 feet. <laughs> so in the normal bow yeah. range. Yeah. Which and, yeah, that's pretty. That probably won't come up too often. And this one would also allow me to hit uh, those guys with cool. it would you would uh, avoid magical resistance or non-magical resistances i like the idea of being accurate because that's what annoys me the most is just missing all the time sharpshooter you can also yeah, that would help for that you too. also haven't been told the prices of each of either of these well i assume <laughs> you wouldn't show me stuff out of my price range at this point because you made me show him everything i had <laughs> so let's see can i while while we're looking at these bows can i just like pull finch's leg a little bit and just get his attention Sure. Hey, hey, Finch. Oh yeah, what's up, Dorth? Hey, I, I get that these are really nice bows. I mean, they're 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 gorgeous, really. They're works of art. But don't let this guy clean you out for one bow. Well, I'm, yeah, I mean, but wh wh when do I get this kind of chance again? You know, to to get an an immaculate weapon all the time. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's bows like this all over the world. <laughs> I mean, maybe I guess. Uh, I've only been to so many weaponry shops, but... Look, do what you're going to do. I can't stop you. Just It just makes me feel uncomfortable in my soul when I see you dump all the contents that you... The crossbow? Do you even remember where we got that? 
All the more reason to get rid of it if you don't remember. It does the spark and enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. Just think about it. Well, I mean, it's better than just, you know, uh, having all that gold and diamonds and just carrying it around for nothing. Which is what I've been doing for so long. And I hardly use the crossbow, at least not as often as I probably should. How much do each of these cost? Ah, so the whirlwind one's going to be roughly 15,500, so 1,550. The mighty bow, hmm, it's a favorite of mine. I'd let it go for 1725. Well, guys, these are both pretty cool. What do you What do you guys think? I'll walk over. Like, if I get the mighty one, like, I don't know, like, that's all my money. Yeah, but you'll be mighty like me. And then I'll flex. <laughs> That's true. It does look pretty cool. And it's also a dark iron on white wood. Very good looking. Cool looking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what else do you need your money for? We'll, we'll spot you if you need anything. I mean, I can make good berries. I don't need money for food, right? Yeah. In all honesty, I'm partial to the, this whirlwind bow. Seems pretty interesting to me. It is aesthetically pleasing. Yes. <laughs> this engraving. What do you care about most, Finch? Yeah, what do you want? <laughs> well, I want to be accurate, but they're both that, it seems, and I'll kind of look at the gnome again and like, that gust of wind, that pushback, it does that every time? Every shot. That may not be good for stealth. I mean, it's silent. It just sounds like the wind. Hmm. And if you kill them in the first shot, what does it matter if you're silent? Have you ever shot an arrow straight up, like at a diagonal? It always drops, right? Correct. Imagine having to shoot up at the walls. Uh, I see the appeal. Up into the trees, taking out a bird. (laughs) (laughs) Free food. (laughs) <laughs> Sir, I think I'm interested in this whirlwind, though. All right. It's going to be 1,550 gold pieces. Uh, let's see. You have 850 gold of diamonds here. Uh, and you said you wanted to get rid of the bow and the crossbow. I guess as I'm putting it on the counter, well, actually, when do you guys want this crossbow before? I don't actually, like, I, I can afford this without selling it. I haven't used a crossbow in a long time. I got this flintlock now. And he pulls it out, and then the gnome's eyes go, what is that? <laughs> Ooh, I am proficient with a crossbow. <laughs> Ooh. Hey. <laughs> I don't think I need the crossbow, though. Nah. Yeah, nah. All right. Well, yeah, let's uh, throw it on the tab. All right. So 120 on the crossbow and then 0.5 for the... My old longbow. Old longbow. And then 18 times 2 for the silver bolts. 36. 36. Y- you owe 543 gold and 5 silver. To make it an even 1550. 544 gold. So that leaves me with 412 gold. Plus five silver. Plus five silver. All right. Uh, I, I really, really appreciate it. I like this thing. Well, is there anything else I can do for you? Actually, uh, do you have like uh, any screws or nails or just like I need? I need just like some metal trinkets. I, I got arrowheads. Uh, yeah. Let, let me get a, a small little bag of arrowheads. All right. Five. I've been neglecting uh, PVAC lately. <laughs> I've yet to bring him up, and I keep meaning to, so this is my, my point to do that. Uh, we'll say, like, a basic bag of, we'll say, 30 arrowheads. Like, two gold seems reasonable two, to me. Two gold. There you go. Two gold. I'll, I'll take one of the arrowheads out and pop it up to PVAC. Is there anything else anybody wants to do in shoots and arrows? No. Nah. All right. And eventually, you head over to Pedestrian to Equestrian and see that large enclosed barn that sits quietly amongst the chaos of this outer market. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to wait out here, guys. <laughs> you all right? I, I, I don't like that guy. 
we're wrong, huh? You know, we're <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a deep breath. <laughs> All right, I'll go in and start walking in. Okay, so you slide open the barn door and walk inside. You see across the stable, you see the man. I don't know if you got his name, so I'm not going to tell you his name. <laughs> the man. And he looks over at you and says, Hi, Laura. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> he walks towards you. Oh. Yes, <laughs> I am looking for a horse. Yes. <laughs> it gets worse, man. Man, I was half expecting it to be like his brother, and he just speaks completely normally. Right. He's a lawyer. Hello, fine, sir. How can I help you today? And Family. he's the slow one. Yeah. <laughs> Family hates him. He, 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 <laughs> he's the outcast. This is the Boomhauer episode. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm looking for two horses and a wagon, please. Let's see how I'm going to do a haggle. Okay. He just throws me for a loop like every three seconds. <laughs> I'm going to pull out my gold pouch and say, uh, how about you just tell me when to stop? And, just... <laughs> and I'll just start putting piece after piece of gold on the counter until he tells me he's stop. looking at the counter intently he's got his hands on his hips <laughs> he's like leaned over and he's just watching you put one coin on his <laughs> and every every 10 or so i'll like make eyes with him like is that keep keep going oh yeah <laughs> and i'll go eventually going. eventually you'll get to 70 gold and he goes ah, <laughs> okay <laughs> okay so i'll, I'll sort of slide it he, uh, takes, he takes the stacks of gold and uh, starts to put them in a sack that's on his belt. Go on. <laughs> he starts to walk away. <laughs> uh, he exits out of the stable on the other end into like the little ranch area. Uh, and you kind of stay in there at the counter for you know, a little bit of time. And it takes you know time to set up some horses on a wagon. And eventually he comes back with uh, two horses on a wagon. They are not the same horses as last time. We'll say that this is like a... I don't remember the names of horses, but a gray-skinned horse and um, gray-haired gray horse. <laughs> you got to put a Clydesdale in there. A gray. That's the one I know. They're, they're yeah, both Clydesdales. One's a Clydesdale and the other's just a regular horse. <laughs> Clydesdales are working horses. No, it won't be a Clydesdale. Uh, just two regular riding horses. It's like one's brown-haired and the other's gray-haired. And he says, I don't that. And he goes to the counter and takes out a piece of paper and starts scribbling. Okay, this seems familiar. Okay. Ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what? Where you go? Uh, yes. Somar. So, all right, you always tire. What? You tire? My sister. Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> Your sister. She works in Somar. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> there, so. Wait, there's a girl. <laughs> oh hell oh, yeah! Oh yeah, I can't wait to meet her. <laughs> So I give this to her in, in Somar. Oh, you're hitting back. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to hold my phone out. <laughs> and he hands you the receipt. Uh, it says on it, um, I can't remember if like we said that he writes like he talks or if he writes clearly. 
but you have the read-all writing. Yeah. So we'll say that it's not written clearly, and you get out of it with your read-all writing from your invocation that uh, it says 70 gold, 35 gold back on return. Cool. In Somar. Thanks. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Ah, that's right. Bye-bye. And and I will walk out swiftly. (laughs) Bye-bye. And you uh, guide the horses out with the wagon, and uh, he sees all of you. (laughs) (laughs) And he starts to close the barn door whenever the wagon's out. Do you think the the townspeople can understand him or does everyone have to use magic to decipher what this man is saying it takes us a while to like get the horses to come because they don't recognize our speaking (laughs) (laughs) it's so abrupt (laughs) cuts off there's no flow to their speech all right so who's driving how's the wagon situation going to be this time i'll go ahead and climb up unless someone else starts to just kind of assuming i'm going to do it again all right so finch is taking the lead anybody sitting up there with him I'm sitting in the back. All right, Felmer's in the back. I'll sit up there. I've never sat shotgun. <laughs> All right, so Astra sitting shotgun. That leaves Keth and Dorth in the wagon. To let Oystretch see where we're going. <laughs> since, you know, he wants yeah, to. She'll have Oystretch on her shoulder. I'll have Pivak on my shoulder. <laughs> All right, so y'all head out of the northwestern gate, out the exit. And something that uh, wasn't noticed or needed to know at the time whenever y'all entered Chandelin, but this is actually where it branches out directions road-wise. You actually have a decision to make. Wow. So the roads that you can take, if you uh, want to bring up your Discord app and go to the players-only channel in our Discord server, there is a map Exclusive. that shows the roads leading to Somar. The Western Road is called the Western Line Road, and it leads to Erlen, which y'all have been to before. Or you can take the Eastern Side Road, and it's called the Gold Run Road, and it leads to Cora. And then both roads eventually lead to Blogol, which is before you enter the nation's ter- the Somar Nation's territory. So Blogol is the border. Is Erlen something from the... Erlen is from this game. Yeah. Um, yeah. We probably should not go no, back No, I don't want to go back through Erlen. <laughs> yeah, that's where the... Um, that's where I, I, I murdered everyone. The Wraith. <laughs> oh, was. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where the Temple of Daloon was. Do I know anything about Korra? Uh, you can give me a history I check. I mean, I'm from Chandelin, so You can give I me a should. history check with advantage because you're from Chandelin. It's a nine. All right. So um, 11. The most you know of Korra is that it is a mining town. Well, then I guess we go towards Cora, right? I mean... Yeah, uh, Cora's a, as far as I know, a pretty quiet mining town. Sounds like a good start to me. I like it. I have no desire to go back towards Erlen. And... Yeah, so, uh, same. same. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you head out from Chandelin on the Gold Run Road, and you're heading to Cora. Hello, companions. Making this quick because I'm a little fatigued from my second dose of the COVID vaccine today, and I need to finish this up. So let's just get straight to the point on two things. First, the homebrew content for Astra's area of effect gem that allows her to manipulate her spells will be going up on Patreon in the next couple days. So make sure to subscribe over on our Patreon if you want to check it out. Also, I'll be launching a new poll 
for homebrew content that'll be released in June. Uh, this poll will start at the beginning of May, hopefully. I still need to decide on what's actually going in it. But uh, if you want to vote on that poll, you'll need to be a Patreon supporter. So go check out our Patreon. Second thing, got another promo for you. This is in honor of Andrew and Taylor from Chasm Quest. They lent their voices for the Equilibrium episode. Andrew played Adamo along with one of the Wizard Rainbow frat boys, and Taylor played Hanette. And not only am I running this promo for them as a return of a favor, but I am also a big fan of their podcast. I think I'm four episodes behind on their three seasons, and I have thoroughly enjoyed my adventure with the Rowdy Boys. And I think you will too. So go check them out. Here's their promo. Hi, we're Chasm Quest. Come with us as we voyage across the Chasm Sea and into a heroic adventure into a new world. The quest is dangerous. I want to ride that sword down his body, like just like split him in half. Mysterious. There's something about the new lens. There's nothing that can prepare us for what's to come. And very, very rowdy. We lick each other's nostrils. <laughs> Listen to Chasm Quest, all one word. Everywhere podcasts are streamed. Now, let's set sail. After traveling the road for a day, you eventually make camp on the side of the road. You see small campfires behind you and in front of you along the road in the distance, assuming other travelers are on the road, none of which are near you in case you are worried about being an earshot or clear sight. How's the weather right now? The weather is very clear. The sky has got some sporadic clouds throughout, but none of them are storm clouds or anything like that. Just a little bit of overcast. The stars can be clearly seen. It's quite peaceful. A little bit of breeze, but not really like heavy winds. Once we kind of pull over, I'll I'll look to the group. It was a nice day for traveling. And I'll kind of look down to Oysterich in my little pouch and say, How was the view, bud? Ah, yeah, I can see things quite clearly from that there on that wagon. I've never seen the world like this before. I have cousins probably out here in the grass. (laughs) Really now? I mean, he's talking to her in her head. Damn it. (laughs) Find familiar. (laughs) Well, uh, maybe we can uh, talk to her. You can can talk talk to them. To my cousins? Ah, they're just little field mice. All right, whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) They probably talk a lot like that dude that was in that stable. (laughs) <laughs> I'll be like, oh, you heard that, huh? Oh, yeah. That's heard, I've heard a couple times now, right? <laughs> Let's see. There was that one place where we got off the boat, and then whenever we got back to, you know, our home, and then whenever we were leaving our home. Heard it three times now. Hmm. Yeah. Looking forward to meeting his sister and Somar. See how that goes. I'm going to make sure to watch our stuff. If a lemon hut is not put up every night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. Is a lemon hut being put up every night? Yes. Yes. Okay. I guess either one of us can do it. We Or or we can make a double wide. The <laughs> <laughs> double hut. Yes. How would that work if they, like, overlapped and you got stuck in the you middle? You know, I'm just going to say that it works. Yeah. <laughs> y'all, y'all just it's make a double wide. <laughs> Let's not look too deep into this. We're, we're not going to go deep. Like, don't take this to heart for puzzle solving. <laughs> Yeah, I got you. <laughs> but we'll just have fun with it for camping's sake that you have basically a double tent or whatever. Do we do it in the wagon? Is it like a garage for the wagon? Ooh. and then I mean, you have two horses in a wagon. Do you want to squeeze in the wagon and the two horses into the little lemon hut? Can it fit? I mean. How big is a lemon hut? Well, let's find out. I think it's like 10, 10, by, 10 foot radius, maybe? That's what I thought. 10 foot radius. Hemisphere. So it would be 40 feet long and 
20 feet wide. I was going to say at least the wagon, not necessarily the horses. I would think the horses and yeah. not the wagon. I, I was just think, thinking. I mean, if you're stuff. doing two of them, that's pretty fucking big. If it's 40 feet long and 20 feet wide, then that can fit the horses and the wagon and us comfortably. I would yeah. think. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never realized they were that big. Yeah, they're yeah. pretty big. I mean, I think it's wait. It says something about like specifically like what can fit in it. It's like eight people or something. Uh, nine creatures of medium size or smaller can fit inside the dome with you. So we got five medium. Or wait, we got four medium. Nope, five, because Kirkle's with you. Five medium, two large, and a small. Yeah, it says the spell fails if an, if its uh, area includes a larger creature or more than nine creatures. Two huts will say, yes, will fit everything. All okay. of you. Perfect. And Ridiculous. we have to do this every night. <laughs> every night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Is there anything you would like to do before the little lemon huts go up? I'll just kind of, like, look around the area and... Maybe forage a little. Okay, so you want to do some sure foraging? Make sure that we're safe. So do you want to do some foraging? Sure. All right. I'll bring Oystrich so that he can, you know. You want to put him down in the grass and let him prance around? Talk to his cousins if he, if he so chooses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Give me a survival check. It is a 21. All right. So you keep an eye on Oystrich and you do a little bit of foraging through this grassland area. Uh, we'll say that you find like some blackberries and some raspberries, just kind of berries out in the area with little bushes that are in the plains. And you gather up maybe like a sack full and head back to camp with Oystrich. He seemed to have fun just kind of running around in the grass, but he didn't find any field mice that he communicated with. Okay. I'll just walk back and maybe make like a little berry salad for the group. All right. What are you going to get? What are you going to get to a salad? I mean, just literally a berry salad. Okay. Just, okay. A salad like, of berries. Like fruit salad, but <laughs> only berries. Yeah. You, you putting mayonnaise in it? Where are you getting the mayonnaise? Ugh, <laughs> what? You be putting mayo on your fruit salad? You get out of here. No, I don't gross. eat mayo or fruit salad, so I don't well, know they what don't goes go in together. Here. <laughs> no, that's not a thing. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll I'll get out my canning jars and make some pearl jam. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We're making pearl jam. And we'll dip our rations in it. Who <laughs> <laughs> mix in some good berries? Ooh. Hey. Some real sustenance. Yeah. All I right. do that. <laughs> so we got uh, Astro doing some canning over here. Anybody else doing anything? Doroth is hardcore writing. Like he is he is in his hut. Like he, songwriting? Yes. All right. He's in a corner and he has his uh didn't I have some some quill and like a scroll? Something to, did I lose that with uh, everything else? I, I might have. Anyway. He he's writing. Alright. He's in creative a creative bubble. All right. Literally and figuratively. Cool. Bellamere is also writing. Um, I'll be taking this time to copy some spells All right. into my tome. Okay. So you're Dorth, doing that uh, magical spell thing. Dorth will also periodically ask to borrow some of Bellamere's writing utensils. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'll just give... I have a spare quill and inkwell. Okay. Because I have that magical quill. That's right. That never runs out of ink. So That's I'll just right. give you the normal one. Okay, cool. Right. And some parchment if you need it. I got plenty of that, too. But I, I want to make a thing out of every time I need a new sheet of paper to ask you for a new one. <laughs> <laughs> and not like, it's like, I'll just give you a, no, I, I might not need that much. <laughs> Finch, you do anything? Uh, not particularly. We can say that I'm just maybe hitching up the wagon and then taking a, a squat next to a tree and just like chilling out, like. Popping some arrowheads PVAC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, just daydreaming, maybe meditating or something. All right. Ogling your bow. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably mm-hmm. checking it out a little bit. You know, just looking at it because it's new and I like it. Yeah, like having anything new, you just hold on to it exactly. and look at it a lot. Yeah. Um, all right. So then the five of you plus Kurgle and the horses and the wagon all fit inside this double wide lemon hut. And is there any conversations, role playing that needs to happen before we move on to sleep? At some point, whenever Felomir uh, finishes writing his scrolls, uh, Keth will take a seat next to him. As I'm like gazing into the, the campfire, and I'll say, uh, "Did did it happen again?" Um. I know what he means. I'll say, um, y- yeah, yeah, it did. I thought it did. I remember bits and pieces, but not all of it. And then nothing. And then I woke up in the hospital in Chandelin. Well, I cannot lie to you, Keth. It was, it was worse this time. Are we all here listening to this? Yeah, I think you're all in the hut. Okay. So. Unless I guess you're not we're probably focused. in one corner, but we're not speaking quietly. At least I'm not. Yeah, I'm not either. Did I hurt anyone? And any of you? I don't believe you did, Keth, but in all honesty, I think you you would have. I I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I do believe Doroth may have done something. And I'll sort of say that a little louder. What? And I'll shoot my head up. In our fight with the Mind Flayer, uh did you happen to do anything? Oh, I used I used this, the watch. Yes, I thought so. It hurt really bad. Please don't let me have to use that again. Why did you have to use it? I'm gonna look at Felomir. I'm going to like take notice in their conversation. Wait, you, you use that? Yeah, uh, we were kind of in a tight spot. We were definitely going to die. So I thought. It would be in our best interest if I turn back time a little bit. And I did. I'm going to go back to writing. Well, thanks. Well, no, no problem. Yeah, look, do you, do you want to talk about it? Look, man, this this hero shit is not important to me, okay? I am trying to to craft something beautiful. All the the killing and the the all, I I don't care, okay? I'm going to go back to writing. I'll just kind of shake my head and then you know, look back at the fire. Fear in the air. Blood upon flaxen hair. Oh. Flaxen. Who says flaxen? <laughs> <laughs> Try to erase something. And uh, I'll say, um, I I don't like that. This library that we're going to, you said it, it has a copy of every book, right? Ever? So they say. Maybe, maybe I can find something about Mastic. Find out more about him and if I can control him or the power that is inside of me uh, yes we can certainly look into it I'm sure if a book exists anywhere it would be there I would, I would appreciate that yes I will assist you I'll kind of see how worried Keth is and just kind of touch his shoulder and we'll, we'll help you bud I'll do whatever I can to help you big brother thank you all also, I really don't want to sleep in this sundress, so I'm going to go change clothes. Can everybody not look at me while I change clothes? Uh, of course. and I'll, I'll, No problem. I'll pull my cowl up or something <laughs> and pull it over my face and just kind of... <laughs> I'll, like, drape a blanket over one half of the lemon hut. I'll just cast darkness. Fuck it. <laughs> okay, no, 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 no. no. Uh, you don't have to waste the spell because until the spell ends, you can command the interior to become in dimly lit or dark. 
right. oh, <laughs> I just yeah. cut the lights out. Yeah, you could just dim that shit. Damn, I could have just blinded everybody. <laughs> Blound them. <laughs> hey. uh, except everybody has dark vision almost. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's uh. true. Oh, yeah, I guess I would be the only one that could see in darkness. That's a little creepy. Never mind. No, me too. <laughs> yeah, Kirkle, let me get the lights. <laughs> You're completely obscured. <laughs> no one will see a thing. So, yeah, we'll say that she finds some privacy and then switches back into her leather armor. And it's a little decorated a little bit more. I think we, I think y'all bought something extra, right? You bought leather armor for Kurgle when so, you were shopping. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So she's got brand new leather armor. She doesn't look so piratey. She just kind of looks like a, a half-orc on an adventure just like Kath, except not in noble clothes. I would like to finish, uh, whenever I do finish copying my the spell into my book or whatever, I'm going to um, return the wizard tome to my library. Okay. And when I'm in there, I just want to lay eyes on good old Book of Born. It's still sitting there. Just where I left it. Just where you left it. Do I notice okay. him and open his <laughs> magical door? Yeah, <laughs> you absolutely notice it. Yes. Okay. Oh, hey, um, Do you think you have anything on uh, lesser guardians or the uh, faded? And I'll kind of scratch my head uncomfortably. Uh, give me a second. I'll take a look. Okay, thanks. Kind of shout into his doorway. <laughs> yeah, you see my head pop out. <laughs> I'll list off what I have, and you can tell me if it's relevant. Uh, the Darkest Night, the Equilibrium, the Falul. The Chronicles of Yin, whatever books that Remora gave me that he wished I had found in Yin, he put in my library when he gave it to me. But you never specified any of those books. <laughs> so I don't know what would be in there. Uh, and then the School of Planar Learning. And then all the wizard spell books. And that's what is in my library. Let's say that in the Chronicles of Yin, there is a book called The Everlasting. The Everlasting? Yes. Okay. You've skimmed it. Mm. You haven't really dived into it. But it goes into a kind of philosophical history of Asis. Uh, speaking of otherworldly entities without names, presences, and it really doesn't reference the Guardians or the Amalgam or the Darkest Night or anything like that. I guess you could say in like a real world sense of how people think of Mother Nature. Mm -hmm. So it's just like the world exists and there are things here. We don't know what they are. That might help her uh yeah i'll pull out the everlasting and uh step out of the library and close it up and say um well i don't i don't think i have anything exactly pertaining to lesser guardians but this is the closest i could find um i received it in yin it's worth a read i would think i've only skimmed it so you okay. might find something thank you and i'll immediately go sit down and open it okay and you start kind of skimming it give me a just intelligence check. Ooh, crit. <laughs> All right. So you start reading it, and it's immediately making sense for you. It's definitely not speaking of things that Mayan Rail taught you directly, but how Mayan Rail told you that the amalgam is an omnipresence, and from like your experience with divination and how you didn't have somebody speaking directly to you and that you are connected to the amalgam in some way, you're realizing that your divination is working with an omnipresence. So it's not going to speak to you in words. It's going to speak to you in visuals or sounds or sense, anything of the five senses. And like, there's a lot to read in this book because like I said, it's kind of like a philosophical approach to basically mother nature and, amal and the amalgam is what is probably considered close to mother nature in this world. And that's what you read about tonight. I stay up 
entirely too late. Like, <laughs> like obsessively reading. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. At some point, I want to put down all my the paper and the quill and all that and be like, ah, oh, and like run my hands inside of the pouch. Like, ah, oh, it's dry. Who's got some water? <laughs> Dehydrated. I'll just like oh. still, still staring at my book. What just happened? Did I? Oh, that's gross. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to put into the narrative that when I get dehydrated, the mucusy inside of my pouch gets dry, oh. and I can tell that I'm thirsty by doing that. I mean, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, I'm like, I'm still cotton sack or <laughs> head, head <and> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> some water very <laughs> intently reading still astra will just like toss her water skin to doroth ah thank god i'm just gonna <laughs> chug down all i thought you were just gonna pour it in I the house no like the, the body work the the moisture will yeah it, no it's don't worry about it it's a, it's a door thing all right anything else before y'all head to sleep i go to sleep <laughs> <laughs> i don't The next morning, the five of you, plus Kurgle, the two horses, Oysterich, Pivak, and the wagon, all wake up, including the wagon. <laughs> <laughs> the wagon looks over to you and says, good morning. <laughs> you all pretty much wake up at the same time as the lemon, little lemon hut disappears, and you're woken up to the sun and the shine, and it's bright. And all of you realize that Astra is still pretty much awake. My eyes are just glued open. I'll look Blood over at shot. Astra and say, oh, I know that look. You've been up reading all night, haven't you? And I'll just be so startled. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, this this book was so captivating. I think I'm finally starting to understand everything. And I'll just kind of look <laughs> off. She <laughs> sees ones and zeros now. <laughs> uh, well, good. I'm glad it helped. Yes, thank you. Uh, if you have anything else, you know, well, I have plenty of books. You know, I'm not, I can't promise they'll all be relevant to what you're looking for, but they're all good reads. I'm just going to kind of just keep staring <laughs> at nothing <laughs> and just kind of nodding my head. And as I see everybody else starting to get up, I'll kind of snap out of it, drink some water, and just feed Oystrich some okay. berries or something. And prepare your spells. Oh, wait, I didn't long rest. <laughs> I, I didn't rest. Do I, I get I, to prepare no. myself? Nope, you nope. didn't actually. Cool. Hey, I guess I get my met full health now. Yeah, everybody's at full health. Anybody doing anything special this morning? Nope. Just get ready to travel again is all I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Likewise. All right, so you hit the road. And here we will skip some days of your journey. We're going to skip to day five. Coming around the bend of a hill at sunset, you see a gritty mining town on the side of a hill. On the western side of the town is the Gold Run River, where lots of small docks rest along the river. You can see mine entrances throughout the town up the slopes of this large hill, and at the top of the hill is the Carlin Forest's edge, which has been vastly deforested as the mining heads deeper into the hills of this forest. You enter into the town as the sun sets, Walking through the town, you see general stores, smiths, and markets of common goods. Single cottages and stacked apartments up to three stories high appear to be the living quarters. 
The main road through the town leads along the coast of the river, where you see all the docks up close. Barges of coal, gold ores, smelted iron bars, and locked chests hiding special goods sit guarded by the Chandelin Sentinels. A rowdy large tavern called the Mining Mole rests near the docks hugging near the edge of the river. It's made of large stone foundations and walls with a thatched roof. It's split-leveled and multi-storied and seems to have lots of sections added on as the town probably grew. Appears to be a rough and tumble town with a variety of ancestries who are all kind of covered in soot from their daily work in the mines. Is there anything that y'all would like to do in this town or you just want to move on by? Sun is setting, so you could get a tavern here or just keep on the road. Camp alongside. I mean... <laughs> you guys want to get a room? You, you want to be in the bed versus the ground tonight? Or how's everybody feeling? I have no preference. The huts have been serving me just fine, at least. But I'm willing to stop if someone else is. Uh, I think the sooner we get to sew more, probably the better. So I'm not in any rush to drink ale at the moment. I'm also fine with the huts. I've had my relaxation. I'm ready to get back to work. I guess that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Keth, if you would like a bed, we can get a bed. Can we get one to go? <laughs> you want to get some, some road ales? Bed to go or an ale to go? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Stop for just some ale and dinner, like a like an actual dinner instead of, you know, survival and rations and whatnot. And you don't have to do a room. Well, now that you mention it, I could go for a hot meal. Yeah. Let's stop. I'll, I'll nudge Astra. All right, all right. It's on you. I still don't have any gold. <laughs> we'll shrug. We'll start guiding the carriage towards the end. So you guide the carriage towards the end, and uh, you make your way towards the inside of this tavern. Once you get inside, it is filled with just a variety of people who are just dirty and stinky, sweat and grime all over them from days of working in the mines. However, uh, there does appear to be a small group of people that are gathered in the corner of the tavern that don't look like miners. Most of the tables are taken, but we'll say there's one round table uh, near the center of the room that is open to you, if you'd like. Yeah, I'll go sit down at it. I'll follow. Uh, real quick, is there music playing? We're going to say no, actually. No music. I want to go to the bar. All right. So you head up to the bar. Ahem. Oh, little one, huh? You crawling in the mines? Oh, no, you're on your ass for that. No. Um, listen, uh, my name is Dorth. Dorth, Fabe, Broman, Kyle. Uh, I'm a musician. You might have heard of me. Uh. The festival. And Anyway, I, I see that your bar is in need of some entertainment. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, you can go up there. You want to get on up there? Go on up there. Do I know you from somewhere? <laughs> uh, what? I've never seen you in my life. Uh, okay, that's bad. Okay. <laughs> Couldn't be. All right. All right. So let's uh, let's let's talk payment. Let's let's make an agreement. Oh, I gotta pay you. Well, I'd like some sort of compensation. Uh, give you a meal? Just one. Do you eat two meals? Well, I have more than one friend. Oh, you want me to feed your friend? But uh, what if I had more? How many friends you got? Let's say there's five of us in all. Ah. <sighs> I can play really well. I can drive the alcohol cells in this bar up by 50%. Trust me. Hmm. I'll trust you. Thank you. But <laughs> if I don't see them males getting sold while you playing, we don't have problems. I'm going to reach out my hand and with a smile and just be like, you can trust me. Give me a persuasion check. Yes. <laughs> 
I'm going to use a lucky dice. <laughs> I'm going to use a lucky <laughs> dice. Let's go. Okay. That's going to be a 25. 25. All right. So, yeah, you've convinced him that he can trust you. He says, all right, I'll feed you and your friends. Uh, you said five plates? Yes. All right. You're going to see that, that, that the people you came <laughs> in with? I'm going to look and confirm that he is pointing to the table that my friends are at. Yeah, he's pointing at them. Yes, that's that's them right there with the, the big green one and the yeah, that them. All right, I'll feed them. Uh, go on over, get you do your thing. No problem. And as like I'm gonna take my backpack off and pull my uh, accordion out, and as I'm going by the table, I'm just gonna put my backpack ta- down in the middle of the table. Like as I'm passing by, just go. You're welcome. Before he walks away, I'm just going to pat him on the back. You go, Doroth, and cast guidance. Ooh! All right. What does what does guidance do? Guidance. You touch one willing creature once before the spell ends. The target can roll a d4 and add the number to a one ability check. Fuck yeah! Okay. All right. That's a good use of guidance right there. I'm going to. Uh, I don't know if there is a stage. Uh, it's like a small square area in the corner of the room. So it's like a really kind of like a two-person setup, but so it'll fit fine for you. Okay. I have a series of questions. Real quick. Are the tables loose? Yes. Are there any empty tables? No, not now that everyone, not your, not that your group has sat at that last remaining table. Is there anything that I can stand on, like a crate? We'll say uh, there's an empty chair. Perfect. All right. All right. I'm going to take that chair and put it in the space. Okay. Stand on it and just like ring my accordion in and out like, All right. like three times just to get people's attention. Yeah, everybody turns to the stage. Um, hello, uh, miners. Hope you're having a great night of mining and celebrating. Uh, my name is Dorth, Dorth, Babe, Grumman, Kyle. Uh, I'm going to play for you guys. Do you mind? Uh, sure, yeah. Go ahead. Abso-fucking-lutely. Let's go. And I, if you've ever listened to uh, any uh, Weird Al album, he always has like a polka uh, like medley in right. it. And I just want to play the backing track to those. Like, they're always the same, like, backing track. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, so just accordion, polka, no yes, lyrics? No, no lyrics, just... Just, like, really get them hype. <laughs> All right. Uh, give me a performance check. Okay, that's going to be a 24. So, yeah, uh, people seem to be bobbing their heads to the music. Uh, They're not, like, getting up and dancing or anything because they're all just kind of talking to each other. But you can tell that they're paying attention to it subconsciously. Okay. Um, Are more people buying drinks? Not yet. No. Okay. Um, (laughs) I don't know about that yet. (laughs) But uh, the five of you, uh, which means Kurgle included, receive uh, a bowl of potato soup with a ton of bacon slabs in it. Um, And... That's your meal. I'll start slurping it down and just give a <laughs> thumbs up for it. <laughs> and then I'll uh, I'll go up to the bar. All right. And I'll say, uh, I'll w- flag the, the barkeep over. Oh, yeah, but, uh... yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, six months. Uh, Twelve L's. All right. Yep. Gotcha. Um, oh, wait. How much is your L's? It's going to be six gold. Oh, okay. <laughs> And I'll put uh, six gold on the table. All right, so you get uh, six gold. You give six gold. You get twelve ales, and you carry them little I'll, by little. I'll you... watch him. <laughs> I'll I'll cast Mage Hand to help him. <laughs> nice. 
Uh, so Asher cast Mage Hand and probably helps a little bit outside yeah. of that. And I'll fit like the rest of them, as many as I can, like on my hand. Y'all just circle Doris' backpack of goods with 12 ales. Mm-hmm. And uh, y'all just start drinking, I guess. Uh, I want to take a look at these guys over in the corner here. Okay. Just uh, the ones that don't look like miners. Yeah, I just want to kind of maybe see if I can listen in or see what they're doing or determine um, like how they're dressed. Well, they're... it's quite loud now. Because um, on top of all the yelling of the patrons, there's also polka music coming from an accordion. So it, it's rambunctious mm. now. Uh, and it was rowdy before, but now it's like rambunctious, if that's the difference of levels. Give me a perception check. Ten. All right. Um, so you're not getting a good look of these people from this distance. But what you can tell is that they're outfitted for some sort of outdoors thing. That's not mining, but they all look very formal still, despite their outdoorsy look. I'm going to give you that. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. So we got drinks going. We've got polka going. Didn't you do anything specifically? Not really. Just kind of sitting enjoying. Yeah, all right. Enjoying the show. Maybe I'll uh, pick up my ale and maybe like fain cheers someone across the room like some miners and maybe I make eye contact and look we're having fun right like (laughs) (laughs) trying you know I'm always trying to support my friends so yeah I'll just I'll be eating and like drinking ale slowly but also like nodding my head to try to like make other people in the bar see that like okay Uh, so Dorth let's do another performance check with advantage because your friends are helping you out okay okay let's see uh, what's this? What's this segment of your show turning into? Let's say that I play the instrumental for a while, and then like I left like a little air to breathe, and then oh yeah 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 good doodle dandy. This is not art. This is work from here right now. This is getting people moving. This is selling drinks. Nice. Uh, that's a fifteen. All right. We'll say that you've gotten people kind of jiving now, and they're jiving. You know, that's a word, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're jiving, you say. And get up and start buying drinks, and they seem to be getting ready to party now. Oh, God. Oh, I see where, okay. I see where this is going. You're like, are they buying drinks? Not yet. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. But whenever you do see that, like, a whole batch of people starts buying drinks, uh, you look towards the bar, and the barkeep looks at you and smiles and gives you a thumbs up. Uh, I'll flash a smile. The same smile that I gave him when I shook his hand. Whenever I heard him call out the song, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll put Oystrich on my shoulder and grab Kurgle by the elbow and, yes. like, kind of go, like, court her. <laughs> so, like, uh, do the spin, like, elbows, legs yeah, spinning in circles? Gonna, yes. You're starting to dance. All right. I'm opening up this pit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So as you start doing that, Astra, give me a um, persuasion. Because I believe you're trying to convince the crowd to get hype, right? Yeah. All right. So give me a persuasion check. Uh, That is a 18. All right. Uh, Yep. People start pulling tables to the side and start getting all hype and they are dancing and skipping and jumping and pushing and i'm gonna run back to the table and like lock arms with keth and just drag him (laughs) and as i see the the pit open up i want to do the polka version of a breakdown which is (laughs) just take the the tempo that i'm going at and just 
cut it. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of doing every third beat, you're doing just the beat one and two, so you're skipping the third beat on the three, four. Yes. <laughs> you pull out a tambourine and use it as a splash. For, for those that don't know anything about music music theory, we are getting the, the butts moving right now. There's uh, a science to it. <laughs> as this is happening, I want to glance back over at the, the corner table and see their reaction, I guess, to all of the commotion that is now happening. They're not enjoying the experience. Mm. Oh, no. okay. um, people are bumping into their tables and they're in the corner so they're getting smashed <laughs> into the table <laughs> a little bit. And they are not happy. These proper people are we're not ready for such a rowdy tavern. You can tell they're like trying to make a move to leave. Sucks for them. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to give you a third leg to your show, Doris. Okay. Uh, what happens in the third leg of the show? This is This is when I get real. When I, I've, I've kind of got him by the ear. And, oh, okay, guys, uh, we've been having some some fun, and I just think it. it I, I'd like to play you guys something something from the heart, something from the soul. Damn it! No, not with this accordion, right? You guys are tired of this record accordion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Absolutely. <laughs> Can, can one of my friends throw me my lute? I use mage hand to float it like above all of the crowd. The magical okay. loot floats out of your bag and above the crowd, and everybody goes, ooh. <laughs> I'll just play along and, and like throw my hands in the air. And it <laughs> softly lands into your fingertips. Thank you. Cast prestidigitation, so there's like a sparkle effect as it lands. <laughs> Let's go. Does Dorothy notice that? <laughs> oh, give me a perception check. Okay. Any of the things that I'm doing. Yeah, y'all need to go on the road together. God, yeah, like, yeah. I say, what, what's it called? I'm his. Uh... A magician's assistant or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's a nine. Uh, no, you don't know it's Asher doing this. I'm the special effects team. Yeah. Okay, so I'm a little shook <laughs> by this. But, but hey, uh, I just met a guardian. Okay. Um, And then I'll just start strumming something and. Do you want to start start actually putting the wind lyrics to it? Yes. So, so much bloodshed. We could barely go to bed. That that. <laughs> <laughs> Balance. Uh, yes. Yeah, give me a performance check. Okay. Uh, fifteen. All right. People settle down and kind of just start swaying as you switch to this ballad, and they, you know. They understand bloodshed. They understand hard work. They understand what it's like to be down in the mines. And they raise their fist in the air <laughs> and swing with you. And we start a revolution <laughs> in District 6. Someone lights a torch and holds it up. They destroy the town. And at this moment where the show has settled down, um, and people aren't being so rowdy. Felomir, as you've been watching this group in the corner, you do see them find their moment and they start to make their way away from that corner and out of the tavern. Uh, give me a perception check with that. 13. What you have gathered from your checks and trying to figure out what they do, um, they look like archaeologists. Yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to... As the, the final song is starting to wind down, okay. I'm going to just go up to just a miner, one of them that's really closest to me. I don't really care. Okay, so like a random miner. I'm going to say, um, uh, excuse me. Oh, yeah, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Dave finally made it into Aces. <laughs> <laughs> Dave the miner. Yes. 
Um, those, uh, those gentlemen in, that were in the corner over there. Uh, the ones leaving right now? Yes. Uh, do you know who they are? Um, I don't know exactly who they are, but I know the dig companies here in town. The dig company? Uh, yeah, so uh, some miners that were just uh, north, about, about a mile north in the forest, were digging into one of the hills, and they found like some man-made stones underneath the hill. Turns out that they uncovered half of it, and it's like buried ruins. Uh, so there's an archaeology team here that's uncovering it. Oh, interesting. Uh, do you know if any miners here were digging at that site? Uh, I want to say old James over there was. I'll look over at old James. It's a bearded dwarf, um, and he looked, he's just got ale just going down his entire beard that reaches down to his belly button. How drunk does he look? He looks pretty drunk. Cool. Uh, I'll uh, turn back to the miner I was talking to and say, well, well, thank you. Oh, don't pay any attention to him. I mean, he's like that all the time. Uh, wouldn't dream of it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> old James. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to walk over to old James. All right. So you walk over to old James the dwarf. Uh, he looks at you and says, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Did you ever drink ale from a shoe? <laughs> uh, hello. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Why is everyone I talk to, like, incomprehensible? Like, you what? have comprehend language. Yeah, but it's a ritual spell. <laughs> this is just the greeting, man. It's Shandlin. They're all just Shandlin. It sounds like Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say, uh, hey. I'll <laughs> <laughs> Then I'll say, uh, so I heard you were at the dig site, right? Oh, yeah, I was. Yeah, so what's the deal with that, huh? Uh, I found some big old rocks that were definitely not made by the earth. Oh, yeah? What what did they look like? Uh, uh, square. Oh, crazy. And he, like, he <laughs> throws his hand, like, like in a karate chop, where it shows, like, I guess he's, like, suggesting it's smooth on one side. Uh, anything else about them? Did they, were they, like, have any writing or any crazy symbols or anything on them? Well, I didn't do a lot of the digging, but, uh... There, there was a pattern to it. Oh, so like the stones were like arranged in some kind of way, you know? Oh, crazy. So how how far away is uh? Did you find them from here? No, uh, it was you know, a big trek, you know. I got carried that pickaxe and shovels and carts and a whole team up there. Hmm. Yeah. About uh, well, it took about an hour to walk there. Oh, whoo! I like wipe my forehead. Like, ooh, sounds tiring. Yeah, I mean, I could probably walk an hour with all that stuff on me. Like, uh, you probably walk without any stuff on you. Yeah, what's the walking speed of a dwarf? The same as me. Okay, just making sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be carrying nothing, you know. He uh, kind of grabs at your bicep. You're looking pretty weak, you know. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> How many times you swung a pickaxe and you're like, I bet none. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it turns out you'd be right. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you're pretty smart. Let me buy you an ale. Oh, all right, yeah. Can you imagine a universe where we decided just to keep going and not run into the old James? Fuck. Then I'll buy him an ale or whatever. So those guys that were over in the in the corner, the I guess the uh, what oh, do you yeah. call them? Archaeologists. As the as the dig company. Yep. They came to look at it, huh? Yeah, I went and looked at it the other day after they did some digging. Uh, it's definitely a pattern. I go, mm. he starts spinning his finger in front of him. Uh, I wouldn't say it was a circle. No, it's not a circle. So like uh, <laughs> like a square? 
No, because a square got corners, you know. Okay, so like um, like an oval. Yeah, that's the word, an oval. Okay. Um, how many archaeologists they got up there? They got a, a big big team, or? I think there's about ten of them. Okay, and they seem pretty interested in it, huh? Oh yeah, something's down there. Hmm. Uh, okay. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks, James. I appreciate the. the how did you know my name? Oh, uh, he told me, and I'll point somewhere in the direction that I was talking to the miner. Uh, I bet it was him. It was. <laughs> <laughs> you with the face. <laughs> well, enjoy your night. All right. I will go back to the table. And I guess uh, the night starts to wind down. Uh, people start to pass out drunk in the tavern, and everything's just kind of, you know, what happens at a bar after midnight. Um, and that's where we're at. It's after midnight for y'all. And also, if uh, I, I told this guy I was going to play for 10 minutes, but that's not true. <laughs> and by the end of it, because you did play so long, Doroth, you actually ended up making dips. Oh, okay. We'll say you ended up with... 25 gold pieces. Cool. And also, like, as I'm, like, finishing the last song, I'm in tears. <laughs> like, <laughs> gave it my all. And then what's the plan for the night? Oh, gosh, I'm starting to think we should just go ahead and get a room. It's late. Yeah, bad. Yeah, might as well, since we're here. You talk to the bartender, and you find out that it's two gold a night in this tavern. I'll put a platinum piece down. Three rooms. All right. Uh, you got four gold back. Here you go. I'll take the four gold back. And he gives you the three keys. Astra and Kurgle and Doroth and Cuth and Felomir and Finch again. I'm not right. Is Doroth comfortable sleeping with Cuth again? Uh, we'll, we can try this again for another night. We'll see. All right. So day six, you head outside of the mining mole and start to set up your wagon and your goods and everything. While I'm still waking up for the day, I'll look at Doroth. Hey, that was a that was a great performance last night. Hey, thanks. As I'm now riding on the backs of the paper I was writing <laughs> on before, I had some things I, w- I was trying out. I, I'm, I'm trying to get this whole. It's it's not opera, but it's an opera. I, I'm I'm still working on it. I'll just nod my head like I know what he's talking about. <laughs> totally. I thought you were about to say anti-opera. <laughs> <laughs> I want to premiere it at the, the greatest stage of them all, in Yin, where there's a large statue of me. It, it, I, I know we're a long way from there. It, it'll be finished by then. What, whatever. The world will be saved by then. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> so you get back on the road and head north. The night of day seven, you pull the cart off to the west side of the road. You set up camp and settle in for the night. You go through your normal routines of maybe catching a little bit of game and some foraging. You make a little pot of stuff. And before the little lemon huts pop up, give me perception checks. 17. 13. 17. 18. 26. Damn, (laughs) y'all. My perception is fucking 12. I'm on it. Everyone, including Keth, is enjoying the night sky. It's been a very pleasant day. It's a pleasant night. And then everyone's ears kind of perk up as maybe like Keth and Kurgle, y'all are just kind of bickering as siblings to each other. And you're not focused on whatever they're seeing and hearing. 
But on the east side of the road, about a hundred yards away along the forest's edge, you see a line of torches that are going south along that forest edge. And you see men and women dressed in animal skins, and they're carrying what you assume are probably hunted animals on sticks between each other. And Felomir, you haven't seen anything like this in a long time. But this does remind you of some of the practices of the tribes in Lathansis, especially the primal elves on the northwestern island. These tribes that were separate on the separate island were a circle of druids that kind of lived their lives without man-made objects other than you know, like sharpened spears and stuff like that. Hmm, well, that's pretty interesting, as I'll sort of, I guess, point it out to everybody. Yeah, it's going on over there. It reminds me of um, some of the elves back in Lathansis. Uh, there was a, a circle of druids that uh, sort of lived off the land, so to speak, and Kind of looks like what they're doing over there. I can respect that. Stop pinching me! Yeah, to be quite honest, I was never really a fan of their mentality. What? Why is that? I get what they're going for, you know, being self-sufficient and all that, but there are so many creations and inventions and things that make life easier, and I don't see why they don't use them. Do you think they read books? Probably a select few books, I would think. I never really interacted too closely with those druids. Hmm. How do you entertain something like that? I'm not sure. I imagine it's probably not too difficult. Maybe they, maybe a dance. Maybe, I don't know, something that doesn't have to communicate a lot of feel. I don't know. I'm trying to broaden my horizons here. Well, you can always go ask them. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like the skin skinwalkers in Ather, and they might transform into a bear and eat you. They have been known to do that, yes. Or at least the elves did. Uh, can I tell, like, from this distance, if they're human or elves or something like that? Or? Uh, no, not really, not from this distance. Especially it's nighttime. Well, no, you do have devil sight, and can I see a hundred like, yards away? That's three hundred feet. Can I see if they're like humanoid or they're definitely small? They're definitely humanoid and not small. You can tell that they range from like five to seven feet. Okay, but they're wearing like, like skins and headdresses and stuff. So I'm gonna say no. You can't really tell exactly what ancestries they are okay uh hey kurgle oh yeah what's up Finch? well uh you know we, we've still got quite a bit of uh ground to cover and some time to kill I, I was hoping that we could start uh you could start teaching me how to make shots for the for the flintlock oh yeah okay we could do that uh let's gather some rocks and we'll do it in the wagon tomorrow okay sure all right so yeah you're gonna get rocks that are probably about like uh this big and she puts her fingers together showing like uh, maybe an inch wide. Okay. Uh, okay. And they can be one of them shapes. So we're gonna shave them down to a half inch on this piece. On this piece right here. And she pulls out like a whetstone. Okay. Do I have one of those, or can I? Or maybe I'll find one out there. <laughs> oh, I mean, this is a whetstone. It's what you usually sharpen, you know, my like swords with. So if you don't have one, then you don't have one. Okay. But you can borrow mine if you want. Sure, I guess. sure. Uh, just uh, I guess that's something I hadn't thought about. Maybe the next time we're in town, I'll get my own. But yeah, I'll, I'll go. We'll go see what kind of rocks we can find. Okay, let's find some rocks. Uh, but first, I gotta finish doing this with Kath. And she goes back at Kath and starts pinching him in the butt again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very important business. No! <laughs> this ain't tussling either. It's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next morning you wake up and Finch, you've gathered some rocks about, you know, the size that she suggested. And so you uh, get onto the road and start heading north. Go ahead and give me a 
uh, intelligence check, Finch. Okay, so am I try? Am I learning this on the road? Yeah. And then, so does someone else need to drive? Or oh yeah, I guess that would be true. If you're gonna learn it on the road, then someone else. I'm would happy need to, drive. to learn it around the campfire. Okay. You know, because we're gonna be stopping along the way. So too. yeah, like we'll say, day eight at night, uh, you're at the campfire and you're just practicing this as you like gather rocks throughout the day on your stops. Give me uh, an intelligence check to see if we learn the process of crudely making some round rocks. Seven. Seven. Uh, so you practice several times. We'll say like on batches of like 20. And Kurt was like, no, no, you're not doing this right at all. Uh, let me show you this again. And then she teaches you again. And we'll try again another day. Okay. Why are you so stupid? Why can't I figure this out? <laughs> Why can't I shave rocks down? <laughs> stupid, stupid. Never do anything right. Yeah, I also have to ritual cast. So this is just my thing with camping in general. Is like people will leave their perfectly good houses to go out into the woods and pretend <laughs> like they live in a perfectly good house. Just stay in the fucking house you have. Like instead of using the fucking kitchen they pay for, they'll go out and like fish and like try to make a fire. Like you, you have progressed past this. Yeah, you could have like, just door dashed it, man. Yeah, <laughs> seasoned and shit. Yep, I got it. <laughs> How interesting is it that every time we go to a shop, we're the only people there? Like, like, like we just got done with this transaction and we turn around, there's just a huge line of very angry people. It's like, are you fucking done? 